Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. And I'm Mike. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look back at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. We're going to get into the nitty gritty and examine the good, the bad, the ugly, and the laughable in these movies. But we're always coming from a place to love. You don't watch these movies as much as we have unless you have a genuine affection for them. Welcome back. It's Kevin, and I'm joined by original Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger co-host, Mike. Glad to be here. Glad yeah. To be here. Well, I'm excited. We're also joined by a special guest star, another Kevin in the mix, Kevin Egan. How are you doing, Kevin? What's up, guys? It's great to be here, being referred to as a star. What a, what a, gener- <laughs> what a generous opening. How exciting for me. Uh, Kevin is also my brother-in-law, so there's like a lot of family. Uh, yeah, it's and pure nepotism. But <laughs> no, uh, we, we were chatting before, and I can tell Kevin knows his stuff when it comes to these movies. Um, so yeah, we're going to, this, uh, this series, we're going to talk about the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, The Terminator. I'm excited and nervous. I get nervous when the movies are really good movie. Yeah, Kevin, do you have a, a sorry, Egan, do you have a yeah. favorite Arnold movie? And it doesn't, if it's Jingle All the Way, don't be embarrassed to let us know. <laughs> you know, I actually, I've never seen Jingle All the Way. I don't know if that's embarrassing to say or if that, <laughs> if that disqualifies me immediately no, for this, this show. It's actually um, a lot of fun, by the yeah. way, but it's, it's terrible, but it's terribly awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like, kindergarten cop i just it's got like all of it's got him as like one of his better comedic performances good action i i love that yeah. movie yeah but um but That's i definitely love choice. the terminator series <laughs> funny enough that was arnold trying to branch out in his acting chops right yeah that and twins <laughs> trying to get emotional that and twins was like let me show you what i can do and they were good yeah absolutely so uh, do you like recall your early exposure to to terminator Kevin, I do, I do I, somewhat. I know for sure that I saw it like a, a you know a cable television, like a TBS or TNT sure. run of it. So you know it was edited. Um, I definitely feel like I watched it at too young of an age. I don't I don't mm. know how old I was, oh. but I, I I just feel like my mom I think had told me about it originally, and she's yeah. like, ah, I watched this crazy movie about this like robot. And uh, <laughs> I, then I think I saw it not too long after that, and it freaked me out. I mean, you don't give sure. anything away, but the eyeball cutting scene like left this like real impression of like I don't know if I want to see this again. Yeah, I was just uh, gonna say that uh, I w- when I was watching this movie again, I was like, I don't. I was like, I was trying to remember like why is this movie so bad, right? And then they, of course, they got to the the eyeball cutting scene and the scene where he's cutting his hand. I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely not for kids. Well, then I had some real gore. Mm-hmm. In this movie. And I, I think I grew up like you watching the same, like a TV edited version, but I think they left a lot of that stuff in. Cause I remember the eyeball and I remember like him rooting around in his arm, like trying to fix, you know, 
whatever was broken inside of his arm or something and it's just yeah. like it was bloody and and nasty and not for like a seven or eight year old or whatever i probably was when i was first watching this on tv yeah i feel like probably the only thing they edited out was the sexy times between you know sarah connor and uh yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. they might have cut out some blood splatter or like whatever that type of stuff but um what we so what we normally do is we go through like a little bit of the background of the people who were involved in the making of the movie so i'll get to that movie written and directed by james cameron Fucking dude is like the action movie god. Never heard of him. <laughs> this wasn't his first film, right? This is he had done a couple other things, but uh, this is one of his earlier. Kind of was though. Like he was credited as directing Piranha Two. Okay. But then I heard that he didn't actually direct anything, but they just wanted an American's name down as the director because it was like an Italian production or something. And he was working on the crew, but he kind of got fired. From the crew, I think, because he kept trying to take over. Oh, yeah. I think I heard it was that something story, crazy. Yeah. So, this was like his first thing that he wrote. And, you know, there was his vision or his idea, I guess. So, the story I've heard about James Cameron is that he used to be like a truck driver or something. I don't know or, that. I heard he was like a uh, truck no, driver. No, I think he always worked on movie. I thought he always worked on movie sets, but he was like building models and like in or a special like, like he was like a, And then maybe to pay the bills, he was like a truck driver. And he was like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And so then he started working in the movies and he started out as a, like, a, basically like a gopher, like a PA or something like that. And kind of just basically worked his way up. And like you were saying in Piranha, I think that uh, they were just tired of him trying to take over the movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> But he probably would have made it a good movie, you know, yeah. if they just let him have his way. Or Piranha 2. Um, but yeah, he was like working for Roger Corman and doing all these like really shitty sort of b or c or d level like exploitation type movies like just building building models and working in the effects department but after he did terminator he followed up with aliens and then the abyss terminator 2 true lies titanic and avatar that's like a jump right (laughs) people like to hate on titanic and avatar but like they're not they're not bad and no, he just made a shit ton of money. He's like Mel Gibson, right? You know how everybody thinks Mel Gibson is a, a jerk, but the dude makes good movies, right? And yeah, Jam, James Cameron makes good movies. Like you're, I'm excited to see Avatar two when it eventually comes out, <laughs> right? But you're gonna get the senior citizen discount. Probably. <laughs> it's probably, gonna be like another twenty years, but, uh, probably. You know. But uh, I mean, James Cameron just knows, like, has a passion for storytelling, and he knows what he likes. That's why he takes his time producing stuff. Um, and he just does quality work. So, I mean, honestly, That's, Aliens is like my all-time favorite action movie. Yeah. I am right there with you on that. That is definitely my favorite all-time action movie it's, as well. Yeah, it's just like, especially like the last hour of that movie is just solid action, and it's amazing. So good. All right, I can tell Kevin's got good taste in movies. And it's such a, <laughs> I mean, and not to go on an Alien Aliens tangent, but it's such a departure from the original. Like, that movie felt so claustrophobic and like a thriller mm-hmm. horror movie right and then this yeah. like wild battle movie like that was just epic um and what a run for a cameron i'm like yeah what what director outside of maybe spielberg has a run like that i yeah i think True. he's like on the list of like his movies have made you know the most money ever he's probably behind spielberg well yeah i'm sure with like t- titanic and avatar yeah. alone those are like two of the yeah, top five i think sure. still to this day and uh with uh terminator and aliens two strong female leads, right? Which yeah, is like yeah, back sure. in the eighties, early nineties, that was unheard of. So hats off to James Cameron, right? And a, 
apparently the idea for Terminator came to him like after he'd gotten fired off of Piranha 2. He was like in a hotel room in Rome or something and he was very sick like and had like a fever dream about a, a robotic skeleton sort of with a with a knife like chasing after a woman or something and he he <laughs> took that and turned it into uh yeah, I don't know Terminator. what kind of mescaline he was doing back then but <laughs> yeah but so yeah also getting writing credits on the movie is Gail Ann Hurd and William Wisher yeah yeah this dude William Wisher I think said he described this movie as it's a wonderful life with guns which <laughs> 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 not I guess he's not far off and Gail Ann Hurd of all all those Walking Dead fans out there should know her as a one of the primary producers for that show. And so she also came off of the Roger Corman bandwagon too. So yeah. just another of uh, the Roger Corman family. And I can tell you for a fact, Gail Ann Hurd knows that this podcast exists. Oh, how is that? Because an ex-girlfriend was like in some sort of management training class that Gail Ann Hurd was talking in or something. And she told her about it. She was like, oh, my, my friend does an action movie podcast, and he just wanted me to tell you that he thinks you're awesome and whatever. So I'm like, oh. oh so she knows it like that. Like she she knows, yeah, she I don't think she, I don't, she, I'm sure she's reference. never listened. Although, <laughs> no, she's I thought probably, she, she was like, eh, as I'm talking she's to She's our this, number one fan. <laughs> in this seminar. Let me talk about she's Six probably listening. Of, no, she's probably listening right now. I have cool. to assume that she is. Oh, hey, Gail, return my phone call, please. Yes, I got an idea for a movie. Exactly. I would love to talk to you. Gail Ann heard, like, I think she ended up marrying James Cameron after this movie came out. And then they separated and she married Brian De Palma. And uh, what, who was Cam- who else was Cameron? He married Linda Hamilton. He right? married Linda Hamilton. And then he went and married the woman who was like, played the old Rose's daughter in Titanic. Oh, yeah. So they both were like meeting people on the set, I guess, and falling for him. I know this is way off topic, but who directed The Hurt Locker? The woman who did Point Break. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought she was married to James Cameron, but no. I don't no. think they were married. And it's Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow, Bigelow yeah. That's it, yeah. She wasn't married to James Cameron? I don't think so. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. But James Cameron did produce her Point Break. Okay. So I, yeah, I thought that was in there somewhere. Hollywood's so incestuous that who knows. I, I, I don't want to rewind this too much, but I'm really struck by this comparison or analogy of this being... Uh, it's a wonderful life with guns. Because it is like, what would the world be like if you didn't exist? Yeah. Type of concept, I guess. So like Kyle Reese is like the Clarence, like like coming down to earth. <laughs> he's, and, the, he's the angel. Yeah, uh, that's wild to me. I mean, I, I love that. I might feel like I'm going to be referencing that a lot now. <laughs> with killer cyborgs. Yeah. Um, the music was by this dude named Brad Fidel. Who I think this was also his first big success. He wrote the whole score like in his garage on synthesizers. Nice. Which is awesome to me. Then he th- he did the score for Terminator 2 and he went on and did the score for True Lies also. So Cameron must have liked him. That's what that's Holly Hollywood is is cool that way, because all you gotta do is you get that foot in the door, right? And if you're worth a damn, then you can move on to bigger, better things. So it's always cool to see how somebody started off like as the music director of this movie and then they go off to do like these big things and even i'm not saying this guy got nominated for an oscar or anything like that but you know how it's just it's cool to see how people grow within hollywood i mean i would say the score for this movie is like perfect for this movie though right very 80s and i think and i mean it should be sort of sound 
whatever electronic and robotic or whatever you know for this type of movie i think he had said that his idea was basically that it the the score is like the heartbeat of the machine like the heartbeat of the terminator or some shit Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, to me, it, it feels really close to like what John Carpenter does a lot with his movies. Like, you know, the yeah. John Carpenter sound, right? Like when he does yeah. the, the music for his movies, like it has a very distinctive sound. And I feel like this was very, to me, like very close to that. That's a great call. Yeah. It's very yeah. simple, but very like effective yeah. also. Yeah. And then finally, we usually don't mention like the special effects gurus or whatever. But on this one, we'll mention Stan Winston. Like, I think this was one of his first big things. And he um he just killed it like with all the mechanical effects, the <laughs> hydraulic shit, and the building all the weird puppets and models and now yeah. Stan Winston went off and did Jurassic Park, right? Oh, dude, he did like everything. Yeah, though. I think he did the Predator as well. Like, I mean, he just sort of yeah, he became like the guy when it came to practical effects. Yeah, again, it's it's always cool to see somebody who starts off on like the slow budget film. Although this movie was made for I don't know like six point eight million, I think. But that's pretty. Cheap back, in yeah, the scheme yeah, of things. yeah. But it's always cool to see how they just grow within the industry. And like this, uh, Stan Winston went off and did Jurassic Park, which is still today the uh, goalpost for like special effects movies, right? And of course, he did like he did, you know, Terminator Two, which also set the bar. Like, yeah, he was always, I think, Stan Winston, like at the forefront of what was possible with special effects. The movie stars, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the icon himself. Um, he was sort of unknown, I feel like, though, still at this time, like an unknown commodity. It, he had made Conan, and in the when he was making this movie, he was in the process of making Conan 2 or Conan yeah, the Destroyer. Yeah, he got pulled away or something to go do Conan the Destroyer, and he had been, I think maybe people first found out about him in the documentary Pumping Iron about like the world of bodybuilding or whatever. So he wasn't, he wasn't famous famous. Yeah, he had basically done Conan, and people were like, oh, here's this dude, he's getting into movies, but I think this movie is the one that like really blew him up, as far as like a, after this movie, he could sort of pick and choose and have his choice of what movies he wanted to do next or whatever. Um, also stars Linda Hamilton, who is not known from a, like, a whole lot of stuff in her whole career. I think she had done uh, Children of the Corn right before this. This is like okay. her big movie. I mean, right she did this. this, right? She did the sequels to this. Um she was in that Beauty and the Beast TV show. You remember <laughs> yeah, that yeah, with yeah. like Ron Perlman? Yeah, I feel like some people, they make like their 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 movie, you know, and they're uh-huh. like, you know what, I'm good, right? And we'll have to mention like the third star of the film, of course, Michael Bean, um, who also was sort of an unknown guy. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you're doing a movie on the cheap is you get like a lot of young up-and-comers because you can't get A-list type people in it. But um, he was sort of, in his career, I think up to that point, he was like a, a dramatic guy, you know, was trying to do like stage shows and stuff like that. Um, the funny story is that he came in to audition for this movie, I guess, and they thought he did good, but they rejected him because he had sort of a southern accent. And they told his agent, you know, like, oh, man, we loved him, but he had this southern accent and that just we don't want the character to have a southern accent. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like Michael Bean's from Nebraska. And what's wrong with the southern accent in the first place? I'm from the south. We're all from the south. <laughs> they didn't want him to sound like a hick, I guess. <laughs> but he was—he had just come from like an audition for, um, I think, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof or something, and he was still like locked in on doing the accent he had been doing in that movie. And so, 
he carried it over and they they had him come back in and he did his normal accent and they were like okay great yeah we want you so i mentioned this earlier i i, I wonder if so when he got when michael bean got signed for this as uh kyle reese he had to have thought that hey i'm the lead of this movie right it is it's a toss-up between him and Lindo Hamilton. I mean, right? I'm definitely like the hero, right? Yeah, absolutely the hero. So I wonder if, because um, most movies back then, if you had like the lead and then like the film, film lead, then the the person that plays like the robot killer was just like kind of a throwaway thought, right? But it turns out that Arnold Schwarzenegger became the biggest star of this franchise, right? So mm-hmm. I wonder, I don't think he Michael B would ever character. talk about it. You got to give him credit for being like the the title role, I guess, the sure. Terminator. Well, I don't think that. Yeah, but I I don't think that he's he has like uh, less than a hundred words in this movie. Like, oh yeah, he barely talks. Yeah, he barely talks. Like, um, I I just, I just figure being signed up for this was like, okay, this is gonna be like my big movie that's gonna like catapult me to the next level. And it was actually Arnold that became like the most famous out out of everybody. But you know, being was in like some good ass movies after this always he's like he's always sort of playing like a commando or navy seal type guy right he was in um he was in the abyss playing a navy seal he was in navy seals playing a navy seal (laughs) he was in the rock playing a navy seal Uh, he was in aliens playing like a basically a navy seal But I mean, he sort of a uh, space that, marine. I'm sorry. Space, yeah, he was he was the he was the space marines or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean that's what. He, but he's good at it. You know, stick with what's working. Oh, and we can't forget about Tombstone. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Johnny Ringo. Also, he was in Greece. He Wait, was in Greece. I like just the Travolta I, Greece. Yeah, I just happened to look this up. Uh, he must have been a little know. boy. Because I wanted to see if this was his first, um, his first film, and they said, and according to Wikipedia, that he has a bit part in Greece where he's uncredited, but oh, he's playing basketball, and John Travolta punches him in the stomach. Oh, Holy shit. crap! Wow. That's awesome. He was probably like legit high school. Age. Gotta, watch, had to be. gotta look that up for and sure. And Travolta is like probably thirty at the time. <laughs> right I got beaten up by an adult John Travolta. In this movie. <laughs> no, Travolta was playing here though. That's what's so funny about it. Oh my god! And the, so the yeah, and the movie has a lot of other like familiar faces, but we can mention those as we get to them because I want to get to the movie. Okay, so yeah, movie opens Orion Pictures, which we've done an Orion movie before on the podcast, RoboCop. Um, but Orion, I think they the the story is they thought of themselves as like this sort of small indie studio that was going to make like award winning type movies, and then I think their biggest successes were these pulpy like action flicks though although the, they the, did um sounds of the lambs i think might have been their big like breakthrough what was the weinstein company um uh oh um yeah i know what you not miramax yeah, miramax, oh, yeah, miramax. yeah so they were like early miramax i think so they were like thinking. yeah they uh you know they did a bunch of they might have done dances with wolves but early on they weren't having much luck with like the art house movies and the ones that were making money for them was movies like this and robocop um but yeah, so we open with a scene of Los Angeles in 2029, which is not that far away anymore. Seriously, that's crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like like it's just total ruins, right? But I feel like we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> like it might be that way. We got seven years. Um, but yeah, we got these like futuristic aircraft sort of hovering around. There's shooting at these unseen targets. Um, a large tank rolls over this like 
huge pile of human skulls. Yeah, and we should mention that that is like a, a James Cameron like signature shot where he has like something crushing some skulls or rolling over uh-huh. something and crushing it. Like, and it comes up it it comes up in this movie like a couple of times, almost to the point it could be like a drinking game because he <laughs> does it. I, I know he does it at least twice more in this movie. It, yeah, he probably does I, it more than that. I feel like the first shot of Terminator Two might be a skull getting yeah, crushed. Yeah, that's like how how would he have done that in in um, uh, Titanic? Like, what could have crushed something <laughs> in Titanic? The like Titanic the, crushes a whale the, skull, <laughs> the iceberg, or something like that. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, but I think a lot of these shots are like forced perspective and miniatures and things like that. It's kind of sure. Yeah, he just James Cameron like knew every special effects trick. I think, but. For a movie from 1984, like, it doesn't look that bad. No, no. Like, I mean, there's some shots that look bad, but I think a lot of these future, the future scenes look pretty good. And there's a lot of that back screen type stuff. There was, like, rear screen projection, but he was using that even in Aliens on some shots that also look fucking great to me. Um, But But it makes it work, right? No, you stick with what works and what you know will work in 1984, I guess. There's people scrambling around to avoid these blasts from the aircrafts and the tanks. And then we get this scroll of, um, I guess, exposition. It says, the machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear fire. Their war to exterminate mankind has raged for decades. But the final battle would not be fought in the future. It would be fought here in our present tonight. Yeah, which I remember seeing that. I was like, this whole movie takes place over like several months not just well, day, days at least but you know not tonight but yeah i see what you're saying yeah. but it gets me pumped up oh yeah like reading you know what i mean you're like ready for like yeah let's whatever have the war yeah, of the let's world kill some whatever. humans and then we roll the opening credits we got that great music like uh i think they went synthesizer you know because it was cheap but it feels appropriate to me for the movie and like the cool font the cool animation Oh, when the Terminator, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like the future, sure. that might even be the letters you, Mike picked like the font for the podcast, and it might be something like the Terminator font. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Or it was a Total uh, Recall font, I can't yeah. remember. But, the, for the credits roll, we pick the story back up, Los Angeles, 1984, 1.52 a.m., um, we see a garbage truck, it's emptying a dumpster, and there's a big uh, electrical disturbance, we'll say, like, Blue lightning everywhere, which I'll mention, Kevin. I don't know if you listened to the podcast much, but my the the regular co-host John, like these blue lightning effects are his favorite thing to see in a movie. <laughs> my favorite thing is like grappling hooks. <laughs> and uh, and John loves blue lightning. I mean, I get it. It feels like that's a harbinger of some cool shit. And the blue lightning in this movie was tight. <laughs> yeah, we had just done the movie Street Fighter, like the Van Damme movie from the 90s. And they had blue lightning effects that looked like dog shit, like compared to these movies that were 10 years older. I wonder when After Effects was invented. I don't know what was going on. We we like to joke that like they must have just been trying as hard as like to get that movie finished as fast as they could. Um, Street Fighter, like they didn't have time to let it fully render or whatever. Uh, But yeah, so we got this garbage man. He's driving the garbage truck and he's stunned to see this hulking, muscular, naked man materialize out of thin air it's the terminator that's arnold schwarzenegger well, so at this point you don't know it's the terminator but I, I will mention that if you when he uh first appears on screen it's very like clean he's very stable he's um you know he just kind of 
appears on screen, which, you know, later on when Kyle Reese shows up, we can get into that later, but it's like very opposite of how he appears. And it's those like subtle little hints that Cameron puts in the movie that are really cool because mm-hmm. he doesn't, it's, it's, he doesn't say, Hey, this is the Terminator. He just kind of shows you that this is something that's unusual, you know? Well, Schwarzenegger's looking like young is in his prime, you know? But yeah, the garbage man bails out and runs away. And the garbage man was played by this actor named Chino Fats Williams, which um, he's turned up before in the movie Roadhouse. He was in, but he's in like Iron Eagle and he was in Rocky Three. But you would know him for his voice, like a very yeah. distinctive voice. I think he was in Crossroads also. Yeah, he like was his, like, he had all these bit parts in these 80s classics, though. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, you, you would recognize his voice as a very, like, guttural, like, like he's been, I think he was in uh, Weird Science. He was in that movie. Um, but it, it just, uh, like, we'll have to, you know, I don't know if you can play the voice for them, but it's a very distinctive voice. Oh, yeah, when he talks, he's, um, I'm trying to trying to channel my impression, and it's just not going to work, but he sounds kind of like this. Yeah, it's, uh, that's <laughs> really good. Um, so if you were the garbage man and you saw this exact thing happen, though, in front of you, like, what would you, how would you react, Kevin? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I would get the F out of Dodge. Like, I think so. The, I mean, the blue, like, going back to the blue lightning, blue lightning is enough to be like, I don't think what is about to happen is going to be good. <laughs> and I don't think I need to be around for it. I'm with you, man. I think I would exact. I don't feel like uh, the garbage man was out of line at all to be like, no. I'm done with that. I no. feel like in 1984 Los Angeles, though, blue lightning happened all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that was no big deal. We for talked them. about Big Trouble in Little China, right? And there was blue lightning all over the place. That was uh, San Francisco, but nevertheless. Yeah, yeah imagine right. people like just Transformers. like. Transformers. <laughs> Running around naked too, like at all the times, just like uh, w- whacked out on who knows what. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the Terminator stands up. He looks around his surroundings. He's checking out 1984 Los Angeles. The story goes that Cameron's initial idea was that the Terminator would just look like a normal, average person who could like blend into a crowd, you know, and then be sort of in secret until the moment that he stepped out to kill you. Which is a, a great idea, but that is definitely not Schwarzenegger. Well, I I think we so again they haven't really established that this is a Terminator at this point. I mean, we we can we all know it now, right? But I'm sure previews and posters and everything you sort of knew. I well, but I, we should mention that one of the people that they um uh were thinking about casting for this role was O.J. Simpson. Oh shit! But wow. the reason, yeah, the reason they didn't cast O.J. Simpson. It was because they thought he was too nice. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't think that O.J. Simpson can pull off being the like this, a murderous uh, robot. And, so, and, you know, and what has he forward. done to prove that any otherwise? Uh, I mean, not any. I mean, maybe he was just still trying to audition. I'm for just James saying Cameron, like, he was sure. never found guilty. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Right. <laughs> I think it stands up. Exactly. But yeah, I think um, one of the writers it maybe it was Wisher had said like, you know, they wanted a guy who could blend in, but then. They're like, yeah, but, you know, it's the 80s and it's Los Angeles. And there are a few guys around who kind of look like Schwarzenegger, just like big jacked dudes or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I have to say, like, it works. You just get the impression from looking at Schwarzenegger that he's like invincible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Um, and you could buy that there's like a robot underneath his skin. Oh, they said like the way you mentioned, I think, Mike, the way that he moves the Terminator, like he's very sort of fluid, move, yeah, these smooth is, movements. A, yeah, I'm wondering if he took like some lessons to move. 
like a robot, like not like a yeah, because he doesn't move herky jerky like that, like yeah. like a. But I think I saw an interview where he said to him and James Cameron talked about it and like that the most efficient, you know, it would be these very efficient movements, which is like no wasted motion and sure. Sort of, so like a uh, Robocop, for instance, move like a robot, right? Right. But not not the Terminator. He was very fluid in all his, his gestures and movements and. I would imagine a, a career of being a bodybuilder would lend itself to that too, right? Like, I feel like if you're a professional bodybuilder, you're oh, training yeah. for efficiency and like controlled movement. It seems, sure. I, I mean, I'm no expert in that. I'm definitely not a bodybuilder, <laughs> but it feels like that that could be like, okay, like I know how to do that sort of like really controlled, precise sure. movement. That's what built into my training. Sure. I think that's a great point. I think you're hundred percent right. Like the poses, you know, how you move on uh, yeah. on stage or whatever in front of the judges like that. But so now we cut to there's these three kind of punk rock type dudes. Um, they're amused to see this like massive naked man approaching them. This dick was just like swinging in the wind <laughs> as well. Like if you got the Blu-ray, you can sort of see it, see everything. So it's interesting. They they gave the Terminator a dick. Why? That's what I'm saying. Why would they waste time putting a dick Why? on the Terminator? Why would you do that? Why would you just Ken doll him and... Right, like, because like, that's like a complicated bit of yeah. anatomy. <laughs> like but, somebody had to dr grow that in a lab, right? Because <laughs> right I mean, there's no way it's like functioning. So, because I don't think the Terminator like eats or anything like that or drinks, you know, to like but, be pissing. I mean, fast forward way ahead of time, right? Didn't the Terminator like settle down and have like a wife and a kid? Like in the and last, that one, but it wasn't his child. Oh, and his kid. Okay. I don't think they ever fucked. I don't think the Terminator, I don't think the Terminator can like, I don't think that is functioning. It's like just strictly, um, cosmetic, but I don't, Cyber, I think Cyberdyne dick labs. <laughs> this conversation was self. But I, I had the same thought, like, why would they even waste time? Like, what are the chances that people who see him, you know, I, I could see if a lot of people were going to be seeing you naked, then they'd know you weren't human, but you know, only a few people are going to see you naked before you probably acquire clothes. So I, I guess the only other option was they could have like green screened uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's penis out of the movie. So who's going to like <laughs> <laughs> wrap that green tape around and make sure that they digitally remove it later on? <laughs> green tape around it. <laughs> it should have been a little robot claw. Like, that should have been the only part that was like clearly a robot was like instead of a dick, there was just like a little like, like almost an alien. Like Kind of like aliens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the little mouth that came out. His was like a little like grabby claw. <laughs> it was like a claw, like the claw game. He's trying to grab a yeah, toy exactly. with. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. And inexplicably, he's carrying around a plush toy the entire movie. <laughs> that was a very different film. interesting scenes later on for sure. Oh my god. Sorry. So, so Bill Paxton is like the leader of these trio of punks. Who Bill Paxton is a James Cameron frequent collaborator yeah. right he's like in he was in aliens and he was in true lies and titanic i feel like he was even in other cameron movies yeah. and this was uh this was bill paxton back when he was trying to pay rent right so this is early bill paxton yeah he had the spiked out hair and sure. sort of these like treadmark like whatever painted on his face sort of i guess looking like an 80s la punk and then one of the other dudes who i recognized from that trio was this actor brian thompson who was um he was in Lionheart. He was the main bad guy in Cobra. And he had um, a recurring role in X-Files. He was like the alien bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. Whatever. But he had like a very like sort of muscular looking face. 
this dude. That wasn't um, the big, big dude that he got the clothes off of, right? No, it was the third. That was the, the other guy, the one who gotcha. was sort of Paxton threw the beer in the guy's sure. face when he was gotcha. looking through the telescope or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was this dude, Brian Thompson. Gotcha. I don't know who the big guy was. I think he was probably just someone they could find that was sort of like Arnold sized. Yeah. And you know what's so funny is I remember when I, I looked at it again today and I was thinking those clothes look really big on that guy, like abnormally <laughs> big. Like why well, punks like to wear the baggy shit. Yeah. But I mean, they looked like his jacket looked just like two sizes too big for this dude that was already big. Right. That's true. They should have had Sven Ole Thorson. Yeah. So I was like, like, why like didn't a, they just a, get a another bodybuilding type dude, you know, Viking. Yeah. I mean, they have Frank Colombo in the movie. They could have just used him, right? <laughs> yes, yes. But so these dudes, they like make fun of the Terminator as he's walking up. Uh, I think Bill Paxton says, this guy's a couple kids short of a six pack. I'm like, I don't think I'd make fun of this guy personally. Yeah, but you didn't, again, you didn't know he was a Terminator, right? You just thought it was some Yeah, but uh, no, I just thought he was a six or... foot three, like Mr. Olympia <laughs> dude who's clearly, you know, he's must have some shit going on that he's walking around naked. You know, Arnold's height has been disputed. So uh, that's true. He might he be was, six two or I've even heard he six was five one. ten. But I want to believe that this time in his prime, he was probably six three. Yeah. We'll, we'll he's like that. shrinking now, I think. But <laughs> but um he kept sort of repeating what the guys were saying, which I think is, to me, I took that as sort of the Terminator learning. Not learning English, but like learning how to interact, sort of like storing phrases or trying to, I guess just trying to interact with humans and get and pass as a human. Yeah, whatever. and I'll go if even learning English, because what if Sarah Connor had been in France, right? And so did ah, when he, with the first couple of things. They could have programmed he, him to speak French, maybe. Yeah, but the first couple of things he says was, you know, some French words. Well, so. I wonder why Cyberdyne like programmed this thing to have a German accent or an Austrian <laughs> accent. So what I've heard is what they're trying to say is the Cyberdyne hasn't achieved like perfect English yet. <clears throat> Cyberdyne <laughs> hasn't achieved perfect English yet. So sure. like me. <laughs> and that's why he has, that's why the uh, accent works because they haven't perfected it yet. Because okay. it's kind of like, uh, you know, in um, the Matrix, like they don't know what chicken really tastes like. So they just... Feed you whatever. Oh, the machines are doing their best yeah, to like the mimic doing their a best human. To, to can can shape a penis, but can't get the English language down. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my god! But so the Terminator says, "Give me your clothes," and all three of the punks they pull out switchblades. Uh, Paxton says, "Fuck you, asshole!" to him, and Terminator like shoves him down and knocks the third punk down. And then I think, uh, oh, dude, I got to mention Paxton has like the distinction of being the only dude, I think, smacked around by a Terminator, an alien and a predator. Mm. <laughs> so that's an I, that's an interesting point. I uh, was having this conversation with a buddy of mine, uh, Brock. I had to drop name drop because I want to cite sure. my sources here. What's up, Brock? Uh, um <laughs> Because we were talking about this, and the only other person that can also claim that trifecta also is in this movie, and he shows up later. Okay. Okay. Oh, we'll have to wait for it. What? So we wait for it. We'll wait for it. Yeah, so then Brian Thompson stabs the Terminator, and Terminator just like kills him by punching right into his chest. Yeah, yeah. That shit was and crazy. Is he pulled, the, I mean, were they trying to say that he pulled his heart out? Was that what that was? Or he just I don't know if he pulled I don't, out no, I th- his I don't, insides. I think he just like, it'd be like having an axe like plunged into your chest. Mm-hmm. I don't think he like ripped any organs out. I just think it was like. That kills you. Yeah, because you know? when he punches him, it seems like he pulls like something. I think it's out just to say. I thought it was just his his clenched fist. Sure. From the punch, and his bloody clenched fist. 
but that shit was crazy. Um, yeah, which but, makes why, which was why that other guy was like, "Yeah, here, here's my clothes." <laughs> Dude's like, no, take, take my clothes, please. But do we think that the Terminator killed that dude? Yeah, he and, just and killed Bill Paxton, or did he like let these guys live? Good question. I think the Terminator's complete goal is to get to Sarah Connor, right? And if he right. has to kill to get to her, he will. But I don't think he necessarily goes out of his way to kill because there's scenes that come up later on where I think that he could have pursued Sarah Connor in order to kill her, but he doesn't. And he would okay. have had to have killed other people to do it. So I think that killing is just a ends to a, a means to an end for him. I don't. I don't necessarily think that he's like worried about like leaving witnesses behind. Oh yeah, no. Because no. he's just like, what are they gonna do? Like, no one's gonna be able to take me. You know, I'm not gonna get arrested or anything. Like, even if the whole whatever, every policeman in the city comes, like, it's not gonna make a difference. Um, but I think I think Paxton is dead though. You think? I think like, he if, got sort I think of if, shoved across. Yeah. Yeah, I think if he was like just punching a guy and punched through his chest, then I think a toss. Maybe Wait. it's not illustrated there, but that toss probably just turned all his bones into gravel. Sure, yeah, yeah. He tossed <laughs> yeah, I mean, him like a metal pole. Or, it's or probably anything. like getting hit by a truck or something, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. So now, elsewhere in the city, there's another electrical disturbance, and this naked dude falls down onto the asphalt. That's Kyle Reese. That was a brutal stunt. Yeah. Like, that shit looked like it hurt, man. Because that was, I think, just some some poor naked man getting <laughs> dropped onto asphalt. Well, and also, I, I, it goes back to like how Kyle is introduced, right? And when he comes from the future, it's very hectic. And they actually talk about it later. I, I almost feel like he he did this spur of the moment, right? Like he just kind of jumped into this time vortex, like do his yeah, clothes off and just jumped the, in. And that's the story they tell, right? Is that yeah. like. He got sent through right as like everything was going crazy in the future, like sure. the whole complex was about to explode or something. And it's really cool because they show all his battle scars, right? Like you don't see that on the Terminator. Like he comes, like I said, he comes in clean, but Kyle, like he looks like he's been through a war. He's got like all these just massive scars on his back. I don't know if there are bullet holes or stab wounds or, or whatever. Like some burns and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But he looks like totally gritty. I think Cameron was trying to go for. You don't know which one of these guys is the bad guy yet, but right. In hindsight, obviously we know what it is. But well, I, I I'll wonder... tell you, I was what I watched this movie like a few weeks back with someone who had literally never seen it. Um, and I mean, I'll probably reference her throughout. But yeah, later in the movie, like she she thought they were both bad guys. Yeah, I would have thought like that she too. thought they were both people who were there to try to kill Sarah. Um, you know, the bad guy sent through two people or something like that. But yeah. It definitely leaves you wondering, I guess, right? Like what these guys' story is, at yeah. least. It's not as big a twist as T2, but I still think that if this is the first time we're seeing the movie and we don't know anything about it, I wonder if we would have been like, oh, I wonder what's going on with these, like which one's the bad guy, which one's the good guy. And it feels like maybe, yeah, like because that seems like that would also play into the, I mean, this would be flash, flashing forward, but like Sarah Connor doesn't know either, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there are scenes where she clearly has no clue and, and sort of mistakes who she who who is after her. So I do sure. feel like there is something to be said about like sort of making it ambiguous enough to like be able to see from her perspective. I would say, I guess once we've seen like Schwarzenegger slash Terminator punching through dudes' chests, <laughs> like it's safe to assume he's a bad guy and he's not human. Or something, but yeah, it's it's. That's uh, a fair point. <laughs> we don't know about this other dude, Reese, yet. But so he encounters this homeless man, and he steals his pants. 
And that dude, he cracks me up. I just have that line of dialogue burned in my head where he's like, hey, buddy, did you just see a real bright light? <laughs> like, that dude was convincing as hell, man, yes. like as, a, as the homeless guy. I don't think that was an actor. I think that was a real homeless guy. Well, I they... saw, so the actor, his name was Stan Yale, but he's played like a homeless man in at least six movies that I saw. Like, so that was his... That was his expertise. But it's not the same guy from like uh, Back to the Future. Right? It's not. It's not that. <laughs> no, homeless I, don't, guy. I don't think it's that guy. I don't okay. think it's that guy. The, the yeah, the wino or whatever. Sure. Way, yeah, to, yeah, way yeah. to get typecast though, like that. Like what? what <laughs> hey, he like, paid, what a he paid his mortgage with that. <laughs> dude, no, I saw. Um, oh, I think it was a dude from RoboCop who was like the. There was a bad guy in RoboCop who was like there were these three goons that were like trying to attack a woman in RoboCop, and whoever the lead dude was like had been credited as like being rapist like in four or five <laughs> different movies <laughs> that's bad news <laughs> like it's like dude you have you you have great rapist uh vibes about you thank god the only thing that could be worse is i think being typecast as like a nazi yeah mm, i look yeah. just like hitler yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um i just think to myself like how bad those pants would smell the homeless <laughs> guy's pants those but, things haven't seen the laundry in a while you know what but to kyle reese <laughs> I bet you they don't spill bad at all. I bet that's you he's fact. absolutely used to it. Reese is probably dirty as hell. Like, I, I don't bet, know what the I, shower situation is like in the future. Yeah, I bet you Reese is, yeah, he smelt worse by far. <laughs> and also, I don't care how brave you are, you probably shit your pants at least once seeing a Terminator in the future for the first time. Oh, yeah. oh so you're saying there's shit in those pants. I think in, in his pants, pants that exist in 2029. Yeah, he's oh, saying in the future. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah he at least oh, I think the homeless man's pants probably has some shit in it, too. Well, yeah, undoubtedly, yeah, that. But I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> Kyle Reese, the first time you saw a Terminator, you crapped your pants. Yeah, no doubt. absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. So just then, uh, the police show up, and Reese takes off running. And a policeman goes chasing after Reese on foot. Okay, but, but why though? I have a, yeah, exactly. Like, what had Reese done wrong, as far as they know? Hey, you in the alley! I'm Wh just gonna chase you. I could never understand why they automatically chased him the way they did. Like it made no sense. Like, in fact, I don't even think when they show the shot of Reese, he's literally just pulling up his pants, right? Yeah. And you don't even see the homeless guy, so those, they don't even know that he assaulted the homeless guy. But Let's say they did see that. The cop had a gun out already. Yeah, like. they were like ready to like kill him or at least or arrest stealing him. stealing pants. And I don't, I've never understood that. I've watched the movie several times and that one scene is like, why do they automatically chase Kyle Reese? I, mean, I don't even know why they're stopping. Like maybe they got a call about the electrical disturbance, the blue lightning. I, I figured that's why they were patrolling the area because they were like, hey, we got this disturbance downtown. Somebody go check it out, right? But they were like guns drawn ready to <laughs> fuck up Kyle Reese. Free sucker! <laughs> <laughs> it was like that shit. But um, yeah, Reese, he runs off, right? And the police is chasing after him. And then, uh, but Reese gets the jump on this guy and he takes his gun and aims it at him. And he's like, what day is it? And the guy says it's the twelfth of May. It's Thursday. And then he's like, "What year?" And the 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 cops confused. Like what? <laughs> I saw this scene was in the trailer, and the cop in the trailer had a totally different voice oh, than yeah? the cop. So they must have picked somebody else to like dub it over. Maybe they didn't like the way that the dude because he kind of had like a he had like a high pitched voice kind of in the trailer, and then they <laughs> gave they him a deep James voice Earl in the Jones movie. To do it? But I do think about like a small time actor like this guy who you you might not know until you're at the movie, like to see yourself that they took your voice out. 
and swapped it with someone else's. Oh, that's You know brutal. they didn't call this guy to tell him, hey, buddy, we're changing your voice. I'm wondering how much I would care, though. Like, I, I, I'm still in the movie. You know, that's but, me. You know, but you would like your voice to be the one that's heard. Yeah, but if I had to change something, it would be... I wouldn't want them to change me out of the movie. Yeah, like, at least they, yeah, at least yeah, they didn't chop yeah, you out. Like, yeah, you, I was like, yeah, hell yeah, that was my voice. I'm an actor, right? <laughs> That's like, what I oh, do. they gave me a deep. But you would feel insecure, wouldn't you? If no. they like gave you a deeper, more like manly voice. I think the uh, Darth Vader, what's his name? The, he should feel James bad. Earl I Jones. think everybody else should feel okay with it. Okay. No, oh, you mean that, the, the the British dude? Yeah, the British Prowse. actor that played. Um, yeah, whatever his name was, he yeah. just passed away. David Prowse. Yeah. Yeah. But so in the in the, back in Terminator Land, more police show up. Reese runs off again. He like breaks into this department store. Yes. The, po- the police are searching for him all over the place. He's like taking clothes off the rack. He grabs a pair of Nikes uh, out of the basket. Like establish that right. Establish that there's like a a psycho killer or something. Or there's a, there's a reason. Oh, you're just saying there's way too many police. Yes, like they <laughs> almost hit the whole department after him. Well, at this point, like, he has like assaulted an officer and taken his gun. That was still but, a lot of cops. But that was too quick. They were there already. Because the store yeah. was like right around the corner, and <laughs> there were already like 10 cops there. You're right. <laughs> I can't argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, this always just frustrated me. Like when I see that scene, I'm like, it makes no sense for them to already be hunting Kyle Reese. And the only reason they did it is because Cameron wants you to think that Kyle Reese is the bad guy. And. And Arnold, the Terminator, is just strolling around, like, strolling around, like da, 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 punching da. holes. Exactly, in <laughs> like nothing, like not a care in the world. And Reese is already like, but I thought it was cool because it it kind of establishes Reese being able to get away from yeah. like, authorities. So that part of it is cool, right? But I he's just, resourceful. Right? Yeah, I just never understood the whole. Yeah, it, yeah, whatever. That, also, that makes me mad, Cameron. Change that. Those Nikes, though, were pretty sweet. Like those vintage <laughs> Nikes, the high top with the Velcro. And the fact that he knew to, like, uh, what if they had been, like, the pump-ups, and he knew to pump up the shoes because he pulled that Velcro on, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, man. It was not the best search the police were doing, though, I will say. Because he, like, ran up the escalator, and then the cop just shined his flashlight up and kept on moving. Yeah, he should have smelled like, that I shit I don't see the him pants, in the right? escalator, so I'm not going to check upstairs. But, yeah, so Reese, he climbs out the window, like, out of fire escape. He jumps off the off the fire escape, and they did a pretty sweet like Texas switch, where some stunt man <laughs> jumped off the fire escape, and then Michael Bean popped up from behind the police car. Because there's no way that's Michael Bean that went off the fire escape. Is that the official term, Texas switch? Yeah, they call it a Texas switch. Oh, okay, that's cool. When like the stunt man will take a fall, and then in, sure. behind a bale of hay or some shit, you know, and then another guy pops that. out. That's really cool. <laughs> um, so Reese steals the shotgun. Out of this unattended police out car. Out of a police car. Steals <laughs> a shotgun that's out of be. an unattended police car. That's got to be against police procedure. I mean. You this... leave the door open with a shotgun just sitting there? <laughs> and what, what if a little kid had walked up <laughs> and like taking that shotgun out of the car? Exactly. <laughs> uh, they had to get this pantsless man. We've already established <laughs> that he is the most, he is a existential threat. I know this will probably be the most excited I get throughout this whole podcast because this is always just bothering me. Other than that, I'm like, oh, this movie's Oh, then they just had the gun sitting there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they Convenient. just had a gun sitting in a police car. A police car. So, so Reese takes the gun. He hides it under his trench coat. He, like, blends in with the people out on the street. He stops at a payphone. He tears out this page of the phone book that had the Sarah Connor listings on it. I feel like the concept of a phone booth or phone book is just like lost on kids today. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like if they were to see the movie, they'd be like, what's, what's that? Sure. <laughs> what's yeah. a phone book? 
I'm confused. Yeah, but now we cut to the next day. We see young Sarah Connor. She's riding her scooter up to her job at Big Jeff's, <laughs> like diner. That scooter looked kind of futuristic. Yeah, I thought it looked. I thought it looked like the robot from Rocky Four. <laughs> The scooter. Oh, it was just like bizarrely like Servotron or whatever that thing was whatever called. Whatever that dude's name was. Maybe it yeah, was a, the, the Polly's like girlfriend, the robot or whatever. Maybe it was like a transformer because birthday, the transformers Polly. have been here for like millions of years, apparently, right? Yes. Oh yeah, if we believe the uh Michael Bay transformer shit. Yeah. <laughs> so she she changed her scooter up to this big like burger holding statue. It's a great bit of storytelling. I think she goes in, you know, she punches the time clock, so we see that she's Sarah Connor without them having to sort of work it into some weird clunky dialogue mm -hmm. that she's Sarah. Like, hey, Sarah, Connor, you're late for work today. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So elsewhere, the Terminator punches through the window of the station wagon and he gets in. And uh, this is the bit I've told Mike about before, where the way that Schwarzenegger tells the story is like this was one of the last things they shot and they were just rushing to – they didn't have permits or anything. And like <laughs> – he had sort of a, a like a metal plate on his fist and he had this glove on over and and James Cameron was just like, man, just go punch through that window. And it don't was like a real it. car window. <laughs> I don't believe that. For one <laughs> so second. I don't know. I want to believe it, man. I mean, I think he's strong enough to do it. You know, <clears throat> you know what I think really happened is they probably already had a fake window and they just told him to, to yeah. punch it because they were just feeding might... his ego. I can see that happening. <laughs> because There's no way he punched through a real window. This was a conversation that he and Cameron were having on this interview. And Cameron was like saying, I thought it was funny that you didn't even ask any questions. Like I just said, go, you know, you're going to punch through the window. And you were like, okay. And walked over <laughs> and punched right through the window. Like you didn't ask, like, what do you mean? Is it safe? I don't or anything think like that. Jingle all the way, Schwarzenegger. I think he would have had questions. Yeah, but I oh think yeah. Terminator Schwarzenegger was like, nah, I'm hungry. He was not like, I want to be a movie star. I'm he was not like the hundred million dollar man or whatever exactly. you know, yet. Right. But so yeah, he rips like he gets in this car, he rips the casing right off the steering column and just turns the ignition and drives off. I don't know if that would work or not, but I'm kind of curious. What do you mean? Like, is that how you would uh hotwire a car or because just... it's not like he didn't have wires exposed or anything. He just sort of like ripped the shit right off and and twisted the thing that the key would twist, I Just guess. Just sheer force. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, brute force. But he's probably got all that programmed into him, right? Sure, like, he yeah. knows how to do it. Now, back at Big Jeff's, Sarah Connor's dealing with the lunch rush. She had this table of, of, it was like the most mismatched table of people I've ever seen. There was like a dude who was wearing a tie, like business attire, and then a grandma and a guy like in biker leathers. <laughs> And I was yeah. just like wondering, what are they all doing together? That's a weird group. <laughs> they could make a whole movie about that, right? <laughs> but she like knocks the, yeah, she knocks a drink into the leather guy's uh, lap. And she's like, oh, this isn't real leather, is it? And then this little kid at the next booth over like drops a scoop of ice cream in her pocket of her apron or whatever it is. And I'm like thinking to myself, there's no kid in the world that's like dumping his ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the least believable moment in the whole movie, I yeah. think, is that no. the kid would having, throw his ice cream away. Having waited tables before for a long time, I, I that scene is 100% real. Oh, like, yeah? I'm it's not like saying some, it's, it some, it's a hard world. I don't think it would have all happened in one day. But yes, I think all of that would have happened. Sure. Oh, I like that then. I like that this is like a like a compressed like version of yeah, her life. Exactly. Like, James Cameron probably waited a table or two in his time also. Yeah. Like working in the trying to make it in the film business. <laughs> but this other waitress, like the friend of Sarah's, walks by and she's like, Look at it this way. In a hundred years, who's gonna care? 
which I feel like is kind of foreshadowing. Yeah, there's a lot of that, especially when we get to like the uh, answer machine, right? Because like, actually, like whatever Sarah is doing, people are going to care about in a hundred years, right? Yeah. Now, um, the Terminator walks into Alamo Gun Shop. It's run by uh, Dick Miller, the actor. I love this guy. Yeah. Like he was the Mr. Futterman in the Gremlins. Yeah, probably most famous for uh, the Gremlins movie, sure. Yeah, he's just so good, man. And we got the Terminator. He's like picking, the, picking like a wide range of guns. He's got this expert knowledge, it seems like. Um, he gets the forty-five with the laser scope, which I feel like that had to be one of the first appearances of a laser scope in a movie, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a, a, a gun nut, but... I'm sure that it, I'm sure it probably was because he wanted to, he, Cameron wanted the movie to be futuristic. So he was like, well, what can I put in this movie that's going to look that nobody really knows about? So I'm sure that it was all you know, futuristic stuff. Every exchange that Terminator has with uh, the gun shop owner to me is amazing. Where he's, the guy's like, anything else? <laughs> he's like, do you have any, do you have a phased plasma rifle in uh, a 40 watt range? That's what I got here, buddy. Like, hey, just what you see, pal. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'll have the Uzi nine millimeter. And he's like, oh, you know, your weapons. Yeah. Any one of these is ideal for home defense. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Uzi. like you do not need an Uzi for home defense. For home right? defense. I, I love that. That's how he was trying to like sell that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, well, which one do you want? Basically. And the Terminator says, he'll take all the guns. And the salesman's like, oh, I might close up early today. And Terminator, he starts loading the shotgun with shells, and the dude's like, "Hey, you can't do that." Yeah, he kind of does it off to the side, though. So I was all—I looked at it again. I was like, he kind of does it when the uh, salesman, the Dick Miller, has his back turned, yeah, yeah. and his Miller's turning back around. He's like, "Hey, wait, man, you can't load you can't that gun that. up." And he's uh, like, "Arnold's like wrong." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he uses that line in multiple movies. That, that is what's so cool about Arnold Schwarzenegger is that I, we've talked about this before. That guy has a less than a hundred words in this movie. Right. But he makes every one of them stick. Right. It's he Hannibal Lecter ish. Yeah. He has a way of just saying like three things and that's more powerful than somebody else's monologue in the movie. I, 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 some people just have it. And Schwarzenegger has it, man. That's why he has his own podcast right now. <laughs> You're talking about our podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so go, going back to that phased plasma rifle, is that the same? They, is that the same weapon that's used in Aliens? I think so. I think Cameron like had it in his mind. This would be the weapon that is that is used in the future. Okay. Because like I feel like I was like I heard that, that 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 thing, and I was like, that's yeah, I think like they called it like a plasma rifle or yeah. something. Oh, sure. so he, so you're not shooting bullets. You're shooting like I don't know what, like a little beam of of energy. Yeah. Right, and that so that's what they were shooting in those uh, those. Um, callback scenes for Reese, right? The plasma weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that shoot a beam out or something instead of like a, just a metal projectile, which sure. is so like primitive, you know? I thought they had bullets in Aliens because I remember whatchamacallit had to collect all their uh, cartridges. But no, but it was like these little tiny little plug things that uh, go in the gun that might must contain all the plasma or something. Gotcha. Yeah, it's pretty badass. But yes, I think you're 100% right, um, Kevin. Like uh, it is like the very same thing because I think Cameron has a very set in his mind like vision of what the future is going to be like because in all his movies the future sort of resembles all of his other movies yeah. vision of the future I think. yeah and i just love the continuity of like little things like that through his films like, sure. I think that's cool that that weapon exists in sort of like these multiple universes 
Maybe it is. Yeah, it's like the camera, the Cameron universe. Yeah, like it's all the same world. <laughs> um, what was the name of? Well, yeah, we probably wouldn't shouldn't get too much into aliens. I was trying to figure out what's the name of the company that sends Ripley back to. Wyland. It's like Wayland, yeah, Wayland, it's, it's Wayland, a Japanese, yeah, and then Wayland. a Japanese okay, word. So it's not Cyberdyne. <laughs> no, it's not Cyberdyne. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, but I think what we get from this is like the Terminator is a bad boy. <laughs> like he just is going to kill anyone at the drop of a hat. So I, we know for sure he's a bad guy at this point. Yeah, and again, uh, I'd like to harp on this, but I'm going to. <laughs> like there are <laughs> no away. police chasing this guy right right he's the one who's actually like leaving bodies he's exactly look (laughs) how many people he's already killed and we've barely got into this movie yet we gotta find the pants thief (laughs) and no (laughs) and we gotta find the guy that stole pants from an old dude like that makes no sense Well, that's uh, sort of like an 80s trope, right? Is like these establishment things are always cast in the light of being like sort of imbecilic or, or buffoonish, sure. right? And it's like the cops can't get it right. The real the real murderer, the real bad guy is going around carnage, but yeah. they're going after some joker who stole a poor homeless guy's pants. <laughs> like he's the threat. Right. <laughs> yes. So elsewhere, the pants thief, uh, Kyle Reese, he is sawing the stock off of that police shotgun that he stole to make it easier to like hide under his jacket. Where'd he get the saw? Where, yeah, where did he just find a saw, <laughs> a, a, a saw blade lying around? I mean, conceivably, maybe he could have, but I don't know. Maybe he went in the hardware store and stole it. Yeah. That's the, I'm sure that's what happened. They just didn't show and us And you that know they scene. put an APB out for him. Uh, look oh, out for the guy that stole the saw from saw the hardware store. Saw blade. <laughs> saw blade thief. So now the Terminator, he rolls up to a payphone. He yanks this sort of burly biker away from the phone. That dude was like a character, man. The big guy with overalls and big hair and a beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like something out of like pro wrestling or yeah. some shit. What is he? What is? What does he say to him? Do you remember? Uh, well, he, like they, he got a the bad... biker's like trying to call someone to come pick him up because his bike broke down or something. And then he's like, "Hey, buddy, you got a serious attitude." Yeah, that's what it was. That yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> but so he didn't. So Terminator didn't kill that guy. Is that one of your examples of like he doesn't just kill everyone? Yeah, he just needed the phone, right? So he didn't like, kill get out of my way. Yeah, but I I bet if that guy had fought back, he would have killed him. Oh, of course. He probably just like yeah, grab some dude's like throat and crush or their skull. Sure, yeah, or some shit. Um, but yeah, so Terminator he flips to the Sarah Connor page in the phone book. We see that there's three Sarah Connors listed there. He takes the, I think he just memorizes it. He doesn't need to steal the page like uh, Reese did. Yeah, he just needed their address, right? Yeah, because I think he, she can, he can store it in the memory banks sure. or whatever. So then we cut to the station wagon, like, rolls up and crushes this little toy truck, which I always remember that moment as from watching it, even when I was, like, a little kid or whatever. That's that shot of uh, Cameron again. Oh, like, like crushing something? something? crushes, something rolls over top of something and crushes it. Facts. It's like, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, it's Quentin Tarantino's feet fetish, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's Cameron's fetish is like just seeing things Crushing get run things over. With, with cars. <laughs> what happened um, in his youth that, that led to that moment, I wonder? Like, Cameron's? Got his, got yeah, like, this was a traumatic moment with his toy getting run over. Or... His mom backed over his foot like, in the <laughs> uh, station wagon, and I he just always remembered it. <laughs> I always wondered also, like, I feel like the truck is maybe like the exact same truck that appears again at the end of the film. Like that, I just was. I don't know if it was like the same model or if that's just how every truck looked back then. But I don't know what what was going on there. I thought you were gonna say uh, the truck from T two. Also, yeah, yeah it's like yeah. the same one. With, I could see that. For it sure. wasn't like it didn't. Ha- it was like the cab was forward. You know, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But so we're in this, I guess, residential neighborhood. There's like kids playing in the street and stuff like that. There's a little dog that's yapping at the Terminator, which is our first hint that dogs are able to detect uh, this is not a human, I guess. Sure. Something like that. Yeah. And they don't, at, that, at this point, they haven't even established that, that uh, dogs can spot Terminators. Yeah. It's so just it's Cameron, I think, being shot. smart, right? Yeah. So now Terminator goes and knocks on the door. A middle aged woman opens. The door just a crack. Uh, Terminator asks, you know, Sarah Kana. She's like, yes. And he just like busts the door down and shoots her as she's like looking on confused. That was like, he did, emptied the clip on her too. <laughs> I do remember that from watching on the TV edit. Like I think on TV edit, you know, it was a one shot. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the unedited, it was like nine shots or something. <laughs> like he just emptied the gun. And on you know her. what's so funny to me is, like, he gets her lined up with his sights, like, right square in the forehead, right? Yeah. And I was always thinking, like, why don't these people run away? Uh, like, I, I'm sure they would still get killed, but I don't think that uh, Cameron's trying to establish that the Terminator is that quick, but the people are just so dumbfounded that right. they stand there in, like, like, awe of what's happening. I feel like in real life, if somebody came to your door and then pulled out a gun and, like, didn't it took the time to raise it to your forehead. I'm slamming the door in her face, right? <laughs> <laughs> or some, or kicking the door or running away or dodging or something. I don't know. But he's so quick because he, he does it twice, right? Well, we don't movie. see him kill the middle Sarah Connor at all, right? Well, because that would have been Ginger, right? Yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't see him kill. There's oh, a second right. Sarah Connor right. that gets killed off, off screen. That's right. But yeah, this woman, I think she was just so, so in shock, I guess. It's, it's still a gun. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know she's smart enough to know what a gun looks like. Shit, I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. But man, it was another cold blooded kill from the Terminator. <laughs> now we cut back to Big Jeff's, where Sarah's coworker drags her to the back, like the break room. And she's counting her tips from the day, right? I thought she had a shitty day. Sarah was. Yeah, she's counting. Well, her you tips. get tips even if you're nah, shitty, right? Not if you're that shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it's hard out here. <laughs> I, I thought it was odd that there was another waitress, shoes off, like with her feet up on the table back there. And I was like, damn, that's nasty. Yeah. They're like, people were eating off the table and she had her like bare ass feet up on the table. <laughs> that, was, that was Tarantino. He shot that, that one. Tarantino. <laughs> he was like the second unit director. Is that how Tarantino started his whole career? Yeah. It's like <laughs> Awesome. So on TV, basically, there's a newscast. It's talking about the murder of Sarah Connor. And I thought to myself, Mike and I, we work on the news. And, um, this would be really, really quick to be giving the name of the person who was killed already, like just a couple hours after it happened. Sure, or yeah. That, you know, yeah. like normally they would notify all the family and all that type yeah, stuff. Absolutely, yeah. At Maybe least it the, was looser back in the day. I don't know. At least let the kids know, right? Hey, your mom just got shot. Right. <laughs> Instead of finding out on the news. But so her friend says to Sarah, you're dead, honey. And that's a fucking great line. Yeah, yeah. That is a good place to wrap up this episode, though. Uh, and we can pick it up next week uh, with a whole lot more Terminator action. Thanks for uh, thanks Egan for joining us, and we will be back. You